She came from Providence, one in Rhode Island, where the old world shadows hang heavy in the air. She packed her hopes and dreams like a refugee, just as her father came across the sea. Hi folks, this is Bob Main with another episode of today's survival show helping you tap into the power of choice to live life the way you want to live it on your own terms and strengthen your resolve. Our goal is to make preparedness simple, not extreme. This is a practical show. You're not going to find a lot of conspiracy theories here or paranoia kind of stuff. We just talk about practical common sense ideas. And this is episode number 59 of today's survival show, doing this a little bit differently than normal. I'm in my home office. Right before I'm taking out a business trip, I'm going to go ahead and... uh, record this from my home office and bring you episode number 59 and I have a guest today as mentioned in previous shows I said I was going to do some interviews this is pretty much the first of the interviews that I'm initiating and I'm interviewing a person from our forum who is an EMT a first aid professional and also works for Homeland Security Department, and when you listen to the interview, you'll hear more about this. But this is Chris Harper we're going to talk to, and he goes by Ghost Rider on our forum. And if you haven't had a chance to join our forum, get on there, folks. There's some real good ideas. But if you've ever wondered about how to build your own first aid kit, we're going to talk a lot about building your own homemade first aid kit because it's a lot more economical. You can typically do a lot more and customize it to your needs and save some money, which is what we all want to do, isn't it? So in a minute, I'm going to bring on Chris Harper. I just wanted to knock out a couple of announcements real quick. Our website is www.todayssurvival.com. If you're listening for the very first time, thank you very much. This is a voice of reason, and I appreciate you tuning in for the first time. Also, our forum, you can just click the forum page on the front page of todayssurvival.com, and that will take you where you want to go if you want to get signed up, and I hope that you do. Also, want to let you know, probably next week, I'm going to bring back the sack contest. I'm just waiting on a potential sponsor that wants to donate some product. And once I can nail that down, then I'm going to restart the sack contest and get that going so we can all become more active once again. Because this looks like the last contest was quite a success. All right, so... Without burning up any more of your time, because I'm trying to keep these shows down to a modified time frame, I am going to go ahead and bring on Chris Harper from the state of Georgia, uh, and he and I are going to talk about how to build your own first aid kit, and also we're going to talk about how to get some first aid training, even doing it on the internet. So, here you go, and let's talk to Chris. Okay, so I've got Chris Harper, uh, also known as Ghost Rider, on today's Survival Show Forum. And we're going to talk about first aid. We're going to talk about building first aid kits and things like that. You there, Chris? I'm here. How you doing? All right. I'm doing great. So all of you all of you who have been watching Ghost Rider's posts on the forum and you've been 
uh, chatting with him. Now you get to hear from him in person. So we're going to talk about first aid today. Chris is an EMT, is that right? That's correct. I've been in uh, EMT. I've been in public safety uh, about 12 years. Uh, I've done a lot. I'm a hazmat instructor, a decon instructor, and uh, I've got all kind of the, the certifications behind the name, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, sounds like it. In fact, uh, you wear a lot of different hats. Aren't you also with Homeland Security? Correct, yeah. I also work uh, part-time with uh, Homeland Security. Uh, uh, with a pre-positioned equipment program. Uh, we have uh, first responder equipment that we maintain and deliver in the event of disaster or emergency. And, uh, so I do that as well. So I'm also an emergency manager. So, Like you said, I wear different hats at different times. And I understand you may have to go to Haiti. That's correct. Yeah, we're uh, we're looking to see right now. They have several, um, you know, urban search and rescue teams that have went down there, and um, so we're just kind of waiting around and, and seeing if we're getting to go. They they keep telling us yes, and then they say, "Well, we'll wait," and so we're kind of in a standby mode. Oh, okay. Well, you know, if if you have to go down there, I know you're going to be performing a good service, but we'd hate to lose you for a while. Yeah, it'd only be our team only deploys for up to two weeks which is good. So we go down two weeks, basically we'll drop our stuff off, show people how to use it if they don't know how, and we'll turn around and, and head back to the, you know, the States or, or wherever. So you'll be delivering equipment? Yeah, delivering it, setting it up, showing them how to use it if they're, they're not familiar with the type of equipment and, and coming back home. So we won't be down there for extended periods of time for rescue operations and stuff. Excellent. Well, you'll be wearing a lot of different hats. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, I'm an old guy, but my memory's not that bad. You're in Georgia. Correct. Yeah. The Peach State. The Peach State. All right. Well, let's dive into it. Uh, there's a lot of um, – I advertise this show as how to build your own first aid kit. And so I'm sure there's a lot of people that are going to be uh, – that are tuning in just to hear that. So why don't we start, if you don't mind, Chris, we'll start with uh, building your home first aid kit, specifically – one to keep at home, one to keep in your bug out bag, and possibly a third to keep like uh, in your vehicle. Okay. Um, basically, a lot of people have their kit set up in like a, uh, a level one, a level two, and a level three. Um, that's kind of how I have mine set up. Like a level one is kind of the, the smallest kit that you have. Maybe a kit that goes um, hiking with you or something like that. Just a small little kit with the basics. A level two mm-hmm. type kit kind of builds on the level one, adding a little bit more capabilities um, as far as if something happens. And then, you know, your level three is generally your biggest type of kit. Regardless of what you call it, a first aid kit is a first aid kit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I usually start with the home kit. You know, what are some things that you're going to need at home? You, you need basic Band-Aids. That's, if you've got kids, which a lot of us do, they're always getting cuts. Oh, yeah, mine is. Yeah, the, mine cut herself yesterday, so you know she's always running for a Band-Aid. So lots of Band-Aids are always something good to have. Um, and then for uh, another thing for your home kits, you know, gauze pads, um, like 4x4 four four gauze pads. Um, they're good to have. Um, some of it's called butterfly strips or butterfly closures and steri strips. Um, mm-hmm. Some people may not know what those are. Um, they're small little um, pieces of tape, basically, that have like a little bridge on them. They look like an H, if you've never seen it. It looks like the letter H. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen those. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. okay. And um, they're great to have. If, if you get a cut, you know, you can, you know, put the little 
Steri-Strip or butterfly closure over it and cover it. Um, some other things good to have uh, at a home, in a home kit or any kit is um, a pair of gloves, a pair of latex gloves or non-latex gloves, um, especially if you have to take your kit out and, and use it on somebody else if they're bleeding. You know, nowadays with bloodborne pathogens and stuff like that, I wear a pair of gloves just with anybody because that's just my nature. And, but throw a pair of gloves in there. Oh, yeah. You know what? Let me interject something here for just a minute. I'm assuming everything you've talked about so far, someone can go right down to the drugstore and buy. Correct, yes. Okay. Yeah, you can buy pre-made kits online all day long. There's a lot of pre-made kits out there that are that are good kits. Mm-hmm. However, if you buy all the stuff that you need up front without having to buy a pre-made kit, you, you kind of personalize it to you and your family's needs. Whereas a lot of pre-made kits may have stuff in there that you're really not going to use. Mm-hmm. And then the the cost factor comes in there too. I, if I buy all this stuff up front, man, that's a lot of money. Well, it can be, but you can also get stuff cheap. You know, the dollar store sells band aids for a dollar. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a fancy, you know, name brand type band aid. A band aid's a band aid. And uh, same thing with gauze and stuff. You can get that at the dollar store. But yeah, you, good idea. Pre-made kits, like I said, there are a lot of great pre-made kits there, but I prefer to make my own um, one because, you know, I've been in the field for so long and I've just accumulated a lot of stuff over the years, so I just build my own stuff. Yeah, so do I. So we've got stero- uh, strips, gauze, you've mentioned gloves, you mentioned Band-Aids. What else do you recommend in there? Um, some moleskin. Uh, moleskin is good to have, uh, especially if you're hiking. Moleskin you put on blisters and stuff, it's also good to have in, in like a home first aid kit. You know, if you're out in the yard, sometimes in the summertime, I'm out in the yard mowing the grass, and I'll get a blister, and I'll get some moleskin put on my, you know, the blister. Um, mm-hmm. Alcohol um, or alcohol prep pads, little pads, they're good to have for cleaning, you know, cleaning wounds. Um, you can also get iodine uh, pads uh, to mm-hmm. clean your wounds with. Um Hydrogen peroxide is also something good to have. However, there's been studies recently saying that, you know, hydrogen peroxide is bad for your bad for the tissues. So, you know, take it for what it's worth. I've used it for years. I've talked to several doctors who've used it for years and never had any problems with it. But there are people saying now that it's bad for your tissue. So. People have been using hydrogen peroxide for years, haven't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Many years. And. And all of a sudden, now it's bad for the tissue. Now it's now it's bad. I, I think basically what it comes down to is something new and better has come out, so they're trying to push that you know product now. Ah, uh, okay, that, that makes sense. You mean this isn't about money, is it? It, it may be. I mean, <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> I, like, Sorry to be sarcastic there, but yeah. sometimes uh, <laughs> that's what things are about, money. That's true. I mean, like I said, I, I have it. I've used it. I still use it. Um, I don't yeah, know. I use it too. Yeah, so a bottle of alcohol, you know, if you don't want to get the pads, you can get small bottles of alcohol and put in like a home kit. Okay. Uh, tape. Um, some type of an adhesive tape. If you don't want to buy medical tape in a pinch, duct tape is great to have. Pretty much all of us have duct tape, especially when we go hiking or something or in our bug out bags. We have some type of duct tape or electrical tape. There again, tape will work in an emergency. Duct tape will. It's not... You know, nothing wrong with using duct tape, but hold your, you know, put a piece of gauze down and make a makeshift band-aid. Mm-hmm, sure. 
Lots of uses for duct tape. Oh, yeah. thousand uses. Um, also, something that people forget a lot is tweezers, like little splinter tweezers and nail clippers. Mm-hmm. Two, two things that, that are often forgotten. Um, splinter mm-hmm. tweezers, you're always getting splinters. There again, if you have kids, they're always getting you know, little splinters. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, I don't have that in my kit. You just reminded me. Thank you. Yeah, splinter and, and nail clippers. And nail clippers, especially for a, a hiking bag or a bug out bag, because if you, you're out hiking and you get an ingrown toenail, you're going to need it. You need to get it out. And cutting it out with your knife is really not the safest thing to do, nor the smartest thing to do. So. <laughs> okay, I, you're right. I have seen it done. But anyway. Um, Moving on, I also put some little needles um, with my splinter tweezers. I kind of tape up a couple of um, small just sewing needles. Because sometimes mm-hmm. if you have a splinter, it's kind of hard to get to, and you just kind of use the needle to kind of pry up the skin a little bit, and then you can get it out with the tweezers. That's often. Makes shy. sense. Makes sense. I, I remember being taught that when I was a kid. And that's that's really the basics. You've got, you know, gauze. You've got Band-Aids. You've got some butterfly closures. You've got tape tweezers and a way to clean the wound um, with the alcohol pads or the iodine pads. I also, in all of my kits nowadays, I put alcohol um, hand sanitizer gel. They come in little small, oh gosh, I have some real small little bottles up to, you know, huge gallon size um, hand sanitizer. That's always great for cleaning your hands. However, just recently I found out that you don't want to clean wounds with those hand sanitizer gels because what that has in it is ethyl alcohol and ethyl alcohol is not um, good for tissue it damages tissue and uh, once it gets into your bloodstream it can actually harm you Um, well thanks for sharing that you know i have heard that you should not clean wounds with hand sanitizer but i didn't know why that's that's the reason why and you know i've never really cleaned wounds with it um I was always told that, yeah, it'll work, you know, it'll work, you know. But I've never done it myself, but I've always used it to clean my hands with. My phone's up here. But, um, so the ethyl alcohol damages the tissue. Correct. So that's, and that's most, pretty much all hand sanitizer. If it's an alcohol-based, it's an ethyl alcohol. So it's going to damage the tissue around the wound is what you're saying. Correct, and inside the wound. And inside the wound. Okay. So you don't want to use that. They are making um, hand sanitizer gels now that are not alcohol-based. It's a um, one of those long medical words. But anyway, it's it would be safe, but it, I, it's not that common right yet. You still see just alcohol gels. So the reason to keep the, uh, the hand sanitizer in your first aid kit, just keep your own hands clean. Correct. Keep your hands clean. Okay. It's, Last thing, I mean, it has multiple uses, too, you know, not just mm-hmm. in your first aid kit, but, you know, you want to stay clean at all times. Absolutely. That's, that's pretty much your, your basic, you know, home kit. You that's know, your basic um, home first aid kit. Yeah. Also, I add in my kits um, a medication pack, and by that, I usually put in there Tylenol, um, ibuprofen, Benadryl, Maybe some um, Pepsid for like acid reflux or Zantac for acid reflux, and something for diarrhea. Um, it's, there's stuff out there. Imodium AD comes a little mm-hmm. tablet um, you can throw in your 
kid as well. Mm-hmm. But that and something else we forgot too is um, triple antibiotic ointment or Neosporin. Uh, mm-hmm. Triple A antibiotic. Yep. After your wounds cleaned, um, put a little Neosporin on there and bandage it up. Yeah, Chris, let me take you back for a minute to uh, what you mentioned about keeping some a medication pack, keeping some over-the-counter meds in there. Okay. Um, I'm a believer in something I want to share with you, but since you're the expert, I want to get your idea on it. I'm a believer in keeping one small bottle of each of the different types of pain relievers, like one bottle of ibuprofen, one small bottle of Tylenol, one bottle of naproxen sodium, also called Aleve, one of each of the different types because my belief on that is everybody's body body chemistry is a little bit different. You're correct, yeah. And they're going to react a little bit differently. What, What might work on one person may not work on the other. Do you agree? I agree. I agree a lot, uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, that's what I do with mine, too. Um, the only thing I don't have in mind is naproxen, only because I, I ran out uh, currently. So that's, you know, you said that reminds me. I do need to get some more. But I do yeah, I don't have any emodium in mind. You just reminded me about the emodium AD. I've got to get some of that. Yeah, that's that's great, especially, you know, for a bug out bag or hiking kit. Because uh, if you're out in the woods, the last thing you want is dehydration from de- uh, from diarrhea. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, and that's, but I always that's true. Always carry all of those. Um, and then Benadryl, of course, is always good if you um, start itching or have an allergic reaction. Mm-hmm. Have the Benadryl on hand. We have a lot of Benadryl here because um, my youngest daughter, for some reason, she's allergic to something and we don't know what. And she, that's a whole other subject. So we have Benadryl and she also has her EpiPen that she has to carry around. Oh, I forgot about an EpiPen. Yes. And if you have somebody that, that's allergic, you know, you know, have an EpiPen. And, and the thing with medications that people often forget, they'll throw these kits and whatever, their packs or whatever, and they'll forget that stuff expires. Right. If, if you put your, like I put most of my medications in a, a small little pill bottle or a, a compartmentalized little pill packet, and I'll write on there the expiration date. So I'll know this stuff expires. Same thing with Neosporin, uh, and a trip. A lot of equipment. That stuff has expiration dates on it. So just check mm-hmm. your expiration dates. And just like with your food stores, rotate that stuff out. Use it, rotate it out. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. That kind of leads me into the next segment of this interview. Uh, some folks might be wondering, this is all good stuff. What do I carry this in? That's a good question. And, yeah. Now, let me throw this out at you. For, for my travel emergency bags that I have in my car... I put as much as I can jam into a large two-pound freezer bag, Mm -hmm. a big clear plastic freezer bag because it's easy for me to see everything. How do you feel about that? What do you think? That's exactly what I do. Believe it or not, that's pretty much what I do also. Um, For my larger kits, it's in a a gallon-sized freezer bag. Now, what I'll do is I'll take smaller bags, Ziploc bags, and put and kind of organize it and put, like, um, your Band-Aids and your bandaging stuff in in a smaller bag, put your medications in one bag, um, just kind of organize it a little better, and then I'll put it down inside of one larger Ziploc bag or, if you've got a real small kit, a small Ziploc bag. But Mm -hmm. freezer bags are are best to use because they're they're stronger, they're heavier duty, and they'll, they'll last. So we're on the same page then on the, on the freezer bags. Mm-hmm. You can also, 
Another thing that, that I do as well, depending on my kit, is um, a toolbox, just a regular old, you know, toolbox from Home Depot or Lowe's or Walmart. Put your first aid stuff in a toolbox. Oh, good idea. I didn't think of that. You can organize it that way. Or a tackle box. A fishing tackle box works great, especially one that, that opens up. When you when you open it up, it opens up and has different drawers and stuff in it. Mm-hmm. I have an extra tackle box. Oh, yeah. Put all your extra stuff in there or that one first aid kit for the house or for the car because it's more rugged. And so I've done that. And, they, and then would you you'd suggest making a separate uh, tackle box or toolbox for your first aid and just leave that, like if you have a car, in the trunk of your car or leave it in the back of your pickup or something, correct? Yeah, exactly. Right. It, it's okay. more rugged and it's going to, you know, that way if it tends to get rolled around or whatever and you don't have to worry about stuff getting squashed or that bag getting squashed and, you know, your contents of your first aid kit going all over your car. So when the guy cuts me off on the freeway and I have to swerve to miss him... <laughs> And my kit starts rolling around in the back of the trunk. It's not going to come all apart, that's right? right. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully. But that's realistic. That's realistic. That's right. Hopefully. Um, yeah, I, I organize all my stuff in, in Ziploc bags. It's cheap. It's easy to do. Okay. Um, I mean, you can buy organized out there as well. But if you want to go the cheap route and the, and the simple route, Ziploc bag is the way to go. And I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, we're all on budgets these days and money is tight for all of us. And those little Ziploc bags, I use the two-gallon size. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually 2.5 gallon, I think yeah, is what it is. Yeah, and they're bag. they're cheap to buy. Yeah. Man, you know, um, I, I'd say I think, a, I think a, a container of the two-and-a-half uh, freezer bags is, what, five or six bucks or something like yeah, that, right? Or ten, Ten dollars, and you got, and then you have them for using at home as well. Yeah, and you, you, you can use a quart size bag, a gallon size, or a two gallon. And the freezer bags, you use them for home, multiple uses for things. And that's that's kind of how I gear all of my systems. I try to gear stuff for multiple uses. What else mm-hmm. can I use this for if I need to? You know, you in an emergency situation. I don't want to get off topic here, but emergency situation, you can use that two gallon bag for water storage or water carrying. Exactly. You know. Yeah, good point. Glad you brought that up. Always be thinking about the alternative use. Yeah, and then for for some larger kits or for a bug-out bag or an extended period kit, you might want to add some other specialty items such as like quick clot, mm-hmm. quick clot stuff. That's, that's great stuff to have. Um, it's expensive, or it can be expensive, but it's good stuff to have, and it's not something that you're going to put on a small little cut, though. It's something that for last resort – you're bleeding really bad, and you can't get the bleeding stopped. And that's use the quick clot. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about super glue? Super glue is kind of one of those. I don't know how to explain it. I don't. I don't put it in my kits. I'll tell you that. I don't okay. use it in mine. And the reason why is super glue can be toxic to your skin. There again, yeah. it can be toxic to your tissues. It can also create heat when you put it on the wet tissue from an open wound. It creates heat, and that heat can cause damaging um, damage to your tissues. It can also cause your tissues to die. However, it does work on small wounds um, that are not very deep, and it's something it's something good to have also for those smaller cuts. 
not something I put on a huge gash where I'm going to need sutures. Um, definitely not something for that. You'd be using quick clot for that. Exactly, quick clot. You know, pressure dressing something. But I definitely okay. wouldn't use super glue for for a large wound. But for a small wound, I mean, you can put it in your kit, use it. You know, if you think you need to. Okay. Well, the reason I wanted to ask you for that is uh, I have seen on forums people talk about, you know, super glue, and I've heard some say it's great. I've heard some say don't use it. So I wanted to get your take on that, and, and you yeah. gave it to us. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's kind of one of those, you know, you, you ask ten people, you're going to get ten different answers. Right. Right. But personally, Good. I don't this is. have it, so. This is good information, Chris, as far as building our own kits. Um, if you don't mind, let's shift gears a bit. Okay. Before this uh, call, before this interview, you and I talked a little bit about getting training. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had mentioned that somebody on our chat room asked you about where to get some good first aid training. And before I get you to answer that, I want to let everybody know, if you're not participating in our chat room, let me extend an invitation to do that. Uh, we've got a very exp- uh, very uh, active chat room, and i got to tell you, I, I didn't think much of it at first, but I have learned a lot in the past few weeks. So for those of you who aren't on it, let me encourage you to do that. So let's talk about training, uh, first aid training. Where can Where can people get it? Generally, the American Red Cross is going to be probably your number one go-to for uh, first aid and CPR training. The Red Cross has online training. Um, You can call your local chapter up, and they're always running classes. But that's going to be generally your your number one kind of go-to. Also, you can check with your your local hospitals and fire departments. A lot of times Mm -hmm. they do training. The fire department's constantly doing training. Now, a lot of times they don't invite the public however sometimes they will if you ask them hey are you doing a first aid class can i come and sit in on it? a lot of times mm-hmm. yeah they'll let you sit in and, and participate in their training with them for those that don't want to go that route you can also get training online i was um, just this morning i was looking on some a couple of websites online one is called firstaidweb.com first aid web mm-hmm. firstaidweb.com and they have an okay. online online first aid and uh, CPR class that you you know you take at your own pace. Um, once you're done, it gives you a little final exam, and you can apply for your certificate. Now, in order to get the certificates, of course, there's a fee, and I think their fee was like forty four dollars, forty four ninety five. But mm-hmm. that's not a bad. I mean, it's a two year certification. It's not a bad fee to pay, and if you're type of person that you're, you're busy and you don't have time to go and sit eight hours in a class, you can do this online. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, www.firstaidweb.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives you basic, you know, basic things to do for, for burns or for bites and stings or for cuts. It gives you the basics, which is all somebody needs. If they need the, they just, the basics. I think This is good. I think personally everybody should have basic first aid and CPR. I've seen children do effective CPR, and that's just my take on first aid. Well, yeah, I agree. And even if somebody's listening to this show that's not really a a survival-minded prep type of a person, you know, even so, you need to have some basic first aid training as well. Right. Yeah. Get get the 
training and use it. And and at least you have the knowledge. You know, knowledge is power. Your your mind is the best thing that you can have in any type of situation, whether it be survival or what. You've got your mind. Well, I'm a big believer in that, as, as any of you know that have been listening to my shows before this one. Um, I like this, firstaidweb.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I want to add something to this. Mm-hmm. I was I took my family to a movie last week, and during the previews of the movie, there was an organization that was advertising. Uh, they were looking for volunteers for... Uh, first responder teams if you wanted to be a volunteer to be a first responder and I'm looking at their website as well and they're offering training they're offering basic first aid and they're also recruiting volunteers to be first uh, responders and they'll get you ready for that so um, even just sitting there getting ready to watch a movie I, I saw an ad for one that's pretty good uh, that's yeah pretty good. I like to see people doing that yeah here where I live uh, in in Collin County Texas in Dallas Fort Worth area uh, it's in fact they've got they've got one for each county. There's five counties around here, and wow. each county's putting on their own first responder class and looking for volunteers. That would be so you might, class. yeah, I would suggest people listening to this show. You might want to search for um, first responder volunteers and put in your county name where you live. Yeah, check with your there again. Check with your local fire department. So a lot of times they're the ones that put on the first responder classes, or your local. Um, Technical school, if you have a technical school in your area, they'll mm-hmm. classes as well. But yeah, that's yes, they will. First first responder is, is great. First responder is a step up from just basic first aid. And um, like I was telling you earlier, it's, it's generally a 40-hour course. Now, I don't know if they can cut that down an hour length. I, I'm not sure how they're going to run it, but it's a generally a 40-hour course, and it's an excellent Yeah, I haven't looked at the website long enough to find out how long the course is, but I'm thinking about just calling them up and asking them some questions. Yeah, that would be um, a perfect I, thing for the family. Yeah. I like this first aid web class, though. Um, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and uh, devote a couple of hours a week here and get this done and get my card and, and learn what's on this. Yeah, it's something that You've got the knowledge. If you never use it, you've got the knowledge. What are you out? You know, a few hours of, of reading something that maybe one day can save you or somebody else's life. And I'll throw in a little personal story how I got started into the whole first aid thing and and whatnot. Years ago, I was, I think I was eight years old, nine years old. Mm-hmm. I was at a pool, myself and my sister. I have a younger sister. And... We were at a pool, I think she at the time she was maybe three or four, mm-hmm. and I was over swimming in the little section talking to my friends, and I happened to turn around and see something floating, a body floating up in the shallow end. Ooh. And I didn't know what it was, so, you know, we kind of go swimming up there, and lo and behold, it's my sister who's been, you know, basically drowning. She's floating, you know, basically doing the... the the dead man's float, that's what people say. Uh-huh. So at that time, I pulled her out of the water. I performed CPR on her and revived her. So I was, like I said, I was probably eight or nine years old, saved my sister's life. Who's All right. Congratulations. So that's kind of how I got started. And, and you I, were how old when you did that? I think I was eight or nine years old. Uh, wow. Very young and... That all stemmed from being taking a first aid class in the Boy Scouts and stuff like that. Uh-huh. That's kind of how it all started for me. 
That is great, Chris. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, people think that children cannot do and perform CPR and cannot do first aid. I uh, hear to I beg to differ. They they can, <laughs> can do first aid and CPR. You are living proof of the alternative that they can do it. They can do it, and I've seen it do it. And kids are not. I mean, kids pick up a lot more than adults. A lot of times, they'll pick up on something and retain that knowledge a lot longer. So. You know, you're right, and also something that I've found is that in a situation like that, kids sometimes have actually less fear than yeah. adults do. Mm-hmm. Definitely, because I don't think their brain is clouded like ours is. You know, right, sometimes they can have a cooler head than the adults around them. It's amazing. It's a weird phenomenon, but it seems to be true sometimes. Exactly right. I, I'm a firm believer in, in training your kids and anything that you're going to train in. Train your kids. Take your kids out and, not, you know, take them outdoors, you know, Teach them the first aid stuff. Teach them how to build a kit. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer. Or have them uh, coach them to build their own and keep it in their own emergency bag. Exactly. I mean, if it's nothing but a Band-Aid or two Band-Aids and, you know, an alcohol pad or something, at least they have something if they get a cut. You know. That is great. I'm glad we got into the uh, teaching the family and the, the family first aid and family survival part of this, too, because that's so important. I'm such a firm believer in that. I am too. I'm always teaching my kids something. Uh, we were outside yesterday, actually. Um, I was making some different YouTube videos, and my oldest daughter, she was kind of the camera girl for a few minutes. Well, then the youngest one kind of wanted to do something, and so I was showing her. So anytime you spend time with the kids, you know, do it. Kind of yeah, there, anyway. I 100% agree. Now, that's okay. And by the way, uh, we're almost out of time. I want to wrap this up, but, um, you know, folks, I just want to say, This is the kind of knowledge that we have on our forum. Everybody seems to have their own type of specialty, and I'm glad that Chris decided to come on the show today and share with us. You might want to go to the forum, and his username is ghostwriter247. Check out the posts that he's put on there. And also, you have a YouTube channel too, don't you? Correct, yeah. um, What is the uh, address for your YouTube channel? uh, YouTube.com slash user slash C Harper. H-A-R-P-E-R, 3006. Okay. Matt, for some people that are taking notes, you might want to repeat that. It's uh, youtube.com slash user slash C Harper, H-A-R-P-E-R, 3006. Okay. And why don't you give everybody just a taste of some of the videos that you have on there? Uh, currently, the videos I have up is um, I've got my, my bug out bag um, on there. I've got my LBE set up, or also my I use that as my 72-hour kit. Um, the first aid kits, I've got to upload another first aid kit video um, on there. And there's some knife reviews on there. And I just did some more stuff yesterday. So Good. I'm going to put a link to Chris's YouTube channel in the show notes, everybody. So you'll be able to just uh, go to the main page at todayssurvival.com and click on that link, and it'll take you right there. I'm looking at it. Uh, couple things really quick that I think we forgot is um, to put in your kit. Ace bandages. Uh-huh. Put in some ace bandages. And maybe uh, if you have a bigger kit, a cold pack or a hot pack, especially cold packs um, for sprains okay. and stuff. The ace bandage is good for your sprains. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. And then a cold pack. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up. Those those two are important. Can, All right. All right. 
Chris, this was great. Thank you very much for coming on the show today. I think we may do a part two on this sometimes because okay. I, I bet you probably got more to share, don't you? Oh yeah, I can. Yeah, we can go on for a while. So, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for coming on the show today. I I very much appreciate it, and uh, you know your time is valuable. So I'll be respectful of it and let you get back to your daily activities. I appreciate it, Bob. You take care, and we'll talk to you another time. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye. All right. Okay, so we heard from Chris Harper on the forum, also known as Ghostwriter. Hopefully you picked up some good ideas and tips on how to build your own first aid kit. Go build one, folks. Go get some of those freezer bags put together. Make a list of what we talked about. If you have to replay this podcast a couple of times, write that list down or type it up. And make sure you put all that stuff in the freezer bags. I would strongly suggest that you have three different first aid kits. One for the house, one to keep inside your emergency bag, and one for your vehicles as well. Hope you enjoyed that. I want to close by saying today's survival show exists on the support of listeners such as yourself. So if you benefit from this show or any of the other previous podcasts and you feel like you have benefited from it and it has given you some value in your life, if you don't mind, if you could make a kind donation to the show, there is a donate button on the front page. I don't pepper you with a whole lot of ads. I don't believe in that. I am going to bring some sponsors on, but I'm not going to over-commercialize this program. Um, This is not something that I make a full-time living doing, but I do have some expenses to keep the show going. So if you don't mind, if you could do that, that's all I'm going to mention about that. And I hopefully that you found a value. Without going on any longer, let me say thanks for listening to episode 59 of today's Survival Show. My name is Bob Main. I'm your host. We help you harness the power of choice to live life the way you want to live it on your own terms. And if an accident happens, God forbid, hopefully you have a first aid kit to take care of it. We make survival simple, not extreme, and as Teddy Roosevelt once said, do what you can with what you have, wherever you are. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. She came from Providence One in Rhode Island where the old world shadows hang heavy in the air. She packed her hopes and dreams like a refugee, just as her father came across the sea.